The Writer Files, a member of the Podglomerate Network. I want to mention a great resource for writers, and this month's sponsor, Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories. I'll expound later in the show, but the short version is this long-awaited book about the craft of creative writing from New York Times bestselling author Steve Almond sets out to debunk the well-meaning but misguided myths that hold us back from writing our deepest and most honest work. Pick up a copy today of Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, wherever you buy books, more soon. Greetings, scribes. I have got some exciting news to share. The Writer Files now has an exclusive Patreon community where subscribers will get exclusive access to uncut ad-free interviews, a writer's happy hour, bonus breakdowns, and content from productivity and publishing experts each month. In the meantime, just head over to patreon.com slash thewriterfiles. It's free to join Patreon to get a preview and you can upgrade anytime. That's patreon.com slash thewriterfiles. Help us start something special. I am just so thankful for all of the readers who have reached out to me and who have like said, oh, I love your book because writing is such a solitary thing. And I wrote this book for me to like as a conversation for my own grief. And I, I do that through humor mostly, uh, which is why there are so, so many uh, ghost puns because I told myself if I was going to write a ghost story, I am going to use at least like five very bad puns. <laughs> Welcome back to The Writer Files. I am your humble host, Kelton Reed, wishing you pages, patience, and perseverance per usual. New York Times bestselling author Ashley Poston spoke to me about her pivot away from YA, the importance of fan fiction, and her paranormal romance debut, The Dead Romantics. Ashley's best-selling YA novels have been featured by Teen Vogue, Entertainment Weekly, BuzzFeed, and more. Her highly anticipated pivot to romance is The Dead Romantics, a story about a millennial ghostwriter who believes romance is dead, a humorous and heartfelt novel with a fresh, slightly supernatural hook. The New York Times bestseller and Good Morning America book club pick has been called While You Were Sleeping Meets Six Feet Under by the New York Times, and bestselling author Emma Straub called it smart, quick, and absolutely bubbling over with love for the genre of romance itself. Ashley Poston has spent the last decade in the publishing industry as a social media coordinator, a marketing designer, and finally an author. In this file, Ashley and I discussed her work behind the curtain in publishing, what it's like to be a GMA book club pick, how to stay in love with writing, why graveyards have curfews, the power of deadlines, and a lot more. Stay calm and write on. And don't forget, you can always support this show by heading to writerfiles.fm, where you can also sign up for email updates, get links to merch, and other resources for writers. And if you're a fan of The Writer Files, please click follow to automatically see new interviews in your podcatcher as soon as they're published and drop us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you tune in to help other writers find us. All right, we are back on The Writer Files. I am honored today to be joined by bestselling author Ashley Poston, just joining us. How are you feeling today? I am feeling really great. It's so lovely to be here. Awesome, awesome. Um, I know that you are kind of in the midst of promoting your latest, which I can't wait to talk about, the Dead Romantics and the 
amazing reception that it's had thus far. Uh, but yeah, I want to talk a little bit about your circuitous path to best-selling author and then this latest kind of what we're calling your adult debut. But take us back a little bit because I understand that you spent years in publishing, kind of uh, wearing different hats, and you kind of have a very unique viewpoint of the publishing industry itself probably and some of that i'm a guessing one into the latest <laughs> it did actually um it's a cute is that's a, like a that's a five-star word <laughs> <laughs> i don't think i can even spell that uh, <laughs> but yeah it was a it was a pretty pretty serpentine journey to publishing so i started in the business, you could say, as a blogger. Um, and I was also doing a lot of uh, graphic design work at the time. And I somehow stumbled into a cover designer. So oh. I, was a, I was a book cover designer for a few years. Um, it was my freelance gig while I did, um, while I was an actual print designer for a local uh, printing press. And then one of my clients happened to be Bloomsbury and they had a job opening for a marketing designer and I took it. And so I went to New York City and I did the whole New York City thing and I worked for Bloomsbury and it was the most wonderful, magical time. It was really fun uh, as, um, as a nerd for all things publishing and books. It was the coolest experience. And then... Um, my writing started to take off and I decided um, it was a really hard decision, but my agent and I decided together to try and focus on writing full time. So I, uh, I left publishing and I moved back home and I have been uh, writing ever since. So hmm. I started with, uh, with, the novel Geekarella, which is an IP project from Quirk. It was a work for hire that I auditioned for. Hmm. And um, then we sold my sci-fi uh, young adult. And then uh, six books later, I am now in the adult sphere. So this is my – technically, it's my ninth book, but it's my seventh book. Well, it's got to feel pretty good. Do you feel, do you feel like it's a, a needed pivot for you at this point in your career? needed to do something new like I always uh since the beginning of like mine and my agent's partnership um I told Holly that I wanted to do um adult in some form because that's kind of where my first books were and I was writing that and YA at the same time and hmm. so I I told her like eventually I, I want to do this thing and eventually we, we got to it. Um, we did, I did not think the dead romantics would be one that we would go out with because it's a, <laughs> it's a paranormal ghost story. Right. And we haven't really seen much, uh, much paranormal since twilight. So mm. <laughs> it was like a shot in the dark basically. And it's been a wild and fantastic ride. Um, I always write kind of, kind of weird books and, my agent is like, yes, the weirder the better. Let's do it. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, I would not, I would not be here without her at this point. <laughs> Amazing. So, so it's kind of like all been grist for the mill for the dead romantics, which congrats has, um, gotten some amazing reviews it's become a good morning america book club pick which has to be pretty thrilling for you it was so weird <laughs> yeah how does that feel uh it was 
It was so surreal because um, they tell you like months in advance, right? And so I had to like keep this secret for so long. And then finally, when it was announced, like everyone was like, oh my gosh. And I'm like, I know, oh my gosh. And then it was a Barnes and Noble fiction pick for July as well. And I just did not expect uh, so many people would fall in love with this little ghost story about love and grief and like getting through the hardest days of your life. And I have gotten so many wonderful messages from people who were like, I thought I was alone in this like lake of grief, but apparently there are Mm. other people in this rowboat too, just trying to get to the other side, which there is no other side to grief, right? It's just this long unending lake, but it gets easier. The more people who, the more people like who are tied to your boat, right? Like when you're, when you're not alone in it. Uh, So, um, so yeah, it was it's it's been really wonderful and I am just so thankful for all of the readers who have reached out to me and who have like said, "Oh, I love your book because writing is such a solitary thing." And I wrote this book for me to like as a conversation for my own grief. And I, I do that through humor mostly, uh, which is why there are so so many uh, ghost puns. Because I told myself if I was going to write a ghost story, I am going to use at least like five very bad puns, <laughs> <laughs> and I did. Uh, so you make it on your threat. <laughs> I did. I did. I was like, you know what? I'm going to do this. This is my only chance. Yeah, um, it's interesting. So uh, you know, we don't want to do any spoilers. The reviews have been stellar. I thought the New York Times said it well when they called it While You Were Sleeping Makes Six Feet Under. Publishers Weekly, of course, said that it manages to affirm the cynics and give hope to the romantics by simultaneously embracing and subverting rom-com tropes, which it does. Emma Straub, who's also uh, appeared on this show, appeared, who's also uh, been interviewed on this show, called it uh, smart, quick, and absolutely bubbling over with love for the genre of romance itself. So um, that's got to feel pretty good. I mean, your peers have kind of come out of the woodwork to to blurb it and and say some really nice things. So yeah, you must be feeling affirmed. <laughs> I, I am. I'm just like, yay, we all like romances with happy endings. Who knew? <laughs> <laughs> that's a novel concept, a romance with a happy ending. Uh. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, talk a little bit about the inspiration for the dead romantics because you know it does it does incorporate some of some of the tropes as they've as we've mentioned, but turns them on their head. And what it, what kind of inspired you to utilize a main character who can see the dead in this kind of like quasi supernatural piece to to you know a classic genre. Well, to, to, to talk about that part, I would have to like give away one of the biggest puns in the entire novel. <laughs> so Your muffs. <laughs> yeah, right. Earlier in the show, I mentioned an invaluable resource for writers. Truth is the arrow, mercy is the bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories based on three decades of writing, failing, and trying again. Author Steve Almond is a beloved professor at Harvard and Wesleyan and the acclaimed New York Times bestseller of 12 books of fiction and nonfiction. And in Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, Steve employs the radical empathy he displayed as a co-host of the Dear Sugars podcast with Cheryl Strayed, where they explored the joys and trials of storytelling to explode myths that hold us back from writing our deepest and truest work. The book includes chapters on plot, character, and chronology, but travels far beyond the earnest intentions of most craft books. 
It also includes writing prompts to generate new work. Pulitzer Prize-winning author Richard Russo called it one of the best books on writing he's ever read, and also the funniest. Pick up a copy of Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories wherever you buy books and add it to your TBR today. And just a quick aside to revisit the exclusive Writer Files Patreon community where subscribers get access to uncut ad-free interviews, a writer's happy hour, bonus breakdowns, and a lot more. I know that for serious writers, it can be more distracting than ever to cut through the noise, stay productive, and home in on what's happening in the publishing industry. Over eight years, we've provided a looking glass into the habits of professional writers and publishing industry insiders. And as your humble host, I've decided to launch a membership-based Patreon for serious scribes to cut through the noise, swap tips and tricks, and hang out with like-minded peers. Just head over to patreon.com slash the writer files for bonus writing resources, monthly episode breakdowns, writer's happy hour, a community of your peers, ad-free episodes, and more. It's free to join to get a preview and you can upgrade anytime that's patreon.com slash the writer files help us start something cool and special keep calm and write on the dead romantics actually um to be completely serious began as a fanfic I was um, I I am a huge proponent for fan fiction and writing it. It is a great character study and it's good, especially for professional writers who, like we we have to write all the time to make a living and a good way at least for me to um, to stay in love with what I do and what I write is to write something with no stakes. And fanfic is something with no stakes. There's no due date. There's no one who needs it for a deadline. It's just something that I can do. And it's like not my characters, it's characters that I love. And it's just a really great exercise for me to like figure out like what what tropes I really like, like how I like them, like how certain characters come together and like work through certain scenes or certain scenarios. So I am a I am a huge fan. Of, of writing fanfic. Um, and I had been writing a few chapters in this one, um, this one fanfic when I was like, you know what, I kind of like this, this plot a little too much to, to keep going this way. Um, hmm. So I took it out of the fanfic and I shook it out. And I was like, okay, let's start from, from, from square one. And the mm-hmm. and square one is, is like, so the way I write is I start with a scene um, one singular scene and I branch off from that scene. Like, you know, that, that meme where it's like that guy and he has yarn going from, from <laughs> every point <laughs> and he looks like, you know, kind of like wild and he's like, okay, this is, this, this is it. This is a scenario. Right. Um, that's, that's kind of, that's kind of how I do most of my books. So the scene uh, that I started with was two people walking in a graveyard at midnight. One's a ghost. Uh, and so I was like, okay, so who are these two people? Um, why is the ghost a ghost? Who is this other person with him? Why are they in a graveyard? Um, where are they? Uh, and I just kind of like built everything from there. Um, I like building characters around tropes and scenarios. And mm-hmm. so I crafted Florence and Ben to fit best in the like scenarios and the journey that I wanted them to go through. 
so that's kind of like how I created the story in general. It's kind of like throwing everything at the wall and seeing what sticks. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's not the most exact science, but I have been writing long enough that I know like myself and I know what works for me. Yeah. Uh, and that is like something that I think every writer can attest to eventually. Like it's something that like when something is working, you know, it's working when something isn't working, you kind of don't really want to write it. You're kind of stuck in the scene. And, and like, for me, it's always like my subconscious telling me that, Oh, something is, something is wrong here, but I'm not sure what it is. And so you have to go back and then you have to tweak it and change it. But yeah, yeah. so that's, that's kind of how the dead romantics came about. And also um, while I was writing this, I, I knew I wanted to write a ghost story because I love ghost stories. I've always loved um, like paranormal romances in general. I grew up in the time of Twilight, right? So it was like this huge boom of paranormal romances, but a very like small subgenre where was ghost romances and most of them did not have happy endings. And so I was like, you know, I'm going to write one that has a happy ending because when I was like 10 years old and when Casper was like, can I keep you? My 10-year-old self was like, yes, that's it. Pinnacle of romance. <laughs> so, so it was just like appeasing my uh my my like childhood self, right? And then as I started going through the novel, I began to realize that um subconsciously I was having a conversation with myself about uh my own personal grief at the time because um someone very, very close to me had passed away, uh, like six months before. And it was very, very hard for me. And so I, I guess I just had a conversation with myself about, about it. Um, and it was very cathartic and mm. I did not expect myself to, to do that. Right. I, I didn't think, uh, this book would, would be a conversation to myself about that. But, uh, but it ended up being. And so a lot of my thoughts on grief and the passing of a loved one uh, kind of like bled into uh, the dead romantics. Well, I mean, as I say, so often, you know, great art comes out of grief or loss. And then as you said it yourself, grief and love go hand in hand. Uh, I'm just quoting you here. To love someone is to grieve them someday. And to grieve them means that you love them, which is, which is quite poetic. You. <laughs> Thank you. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, talk a little bit about some of the research that went into the to the um, six feet under piece, because um, of course I- I'm imagining you didn't have a past working in a funeral parlor or a funeral <laughs> funerary uh, services. Um, but yeah, talk a little bit about some of the research that went into the book. Well, uh, I I did not used to work in a funeral home, but uh, one of my family members did, <laughs> so. I had a, a small end there. Uh, the family member actually passed away in the funeral home too. So <laughs> that was interesting. And, and that was interesting. A lot of the research that I did was um, I ended up talking to smaller um, family run funeral homes. I read a lot of articles about funeral services and like, you know, the business of death, which is so incredibly interesting and almost none of it went into the book because uh, Florence doesn't really care about that part of her family's business. It's all Alice. Like if this was Alice's book, everything would be about what I researched. Mm-hmm. Um, and Alice is is her younger sister. But yeah, like I, I read a lot about like the process of death. Smoke gets in your eyes. 
a nonfiction memoir about uh, about someone who worked in a crematorium, and yeah. it's very it's it's very lovely. I know the book, and I know the author because I believe she's been on this show. Really? Oh man! <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, she was a mortician and fantastically interesting writer. Uh, what was the? Yeah, name I of can't the... think of. I can't think of her name. Caitlin Doty. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. So Caitlin Doty has, we, we've done an interview with Caitlin Doty, which was super fascinating because I found that, that book to be very strange, but there, it was her, it was her other book. I think we were talking about anyway. Yeah. It was a, like she came out with, with a newer one about, uh, mm-hmm. practices like around the world. Yeah, which totally. It was also really interesting. Uh, but no, I would sit down with her and I would just pick her brain for, for so long. It was so interesting to me. Yeah, I think we talked. We were talking about From Here to Eternity. Mm-hmm. Um, the subtitle on that one was Traveling the World to Find a Good Death. Anyway, we digressed. I, I apologize. <laughs> oh, no, please. Like, tell me everything. I want to <laughs> know everything about that. I want to go back and listen to that episode, actually. Yeah, yeah. I'll find a link. I'll drop a link in the show notes. Absolutely. Oh, excellent. Sure. Uh, but yeah, I I adored that one, and then there were other. Um, there are there were some articles. I uh, I, I kind of hacked into one of my um, friends who still had uh, their 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 college paper login, <laughs> and I and I like read some um, read some more like scientific approaches. And anyway, it was it was very interesting. And now every time I I, I go to a funeral, I'm like. Well, I know everything that goes into this, and I'm not sure I like it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah. This is this is fun, and that's like my part. That's my new party trick. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously, and six one since that matters. And what do I even say other than hey? <sighs> Well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care, and we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible complex specialty care that cares about your ROI. It's possible because we're already doing it all while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. It's it's so funny as, as an author, because you, you go down these rabbit holes and you start researching things that you never thought you would need to research for. Um, for a book, like I, I ended up researching why there are curfews for graveyards. Which, <laughs> <laughs> why, wait, why are there curfews for graveyards? I mean, it makes sense, I guess. Yeah, I, I guess it makes sense. But yeah, so like most most graveyards have like you know closes at ten p.m. sort of thing. Even <laughs> like even if they aren't like perpetual care. And I, I I also went down the rabbit hole of perpetual care graveyards too, which it's all wild. Um, but, but it's it's just so that they keep like basically people from kissing on the tombstones, like, and making Mm. out on someone's grave. And I'm like, you know what? (laughs) (laughs) All the power to you, I guess. Uh, people are going to do that anyway. I know, I, I, I know when I was, um, 
like, I don't know, a freshman in college, we absolutely snuck into quite a few graveyards. Uh, <laughs> just because it was like fun, right? And it's kind of spooky. Uh, yeah, totally. We, we, yeah, I, I remember doing that. Exactly. Uh, you know, graveyards, um, closed mental asylums, you name it. <laughs> exactly. But, just uh, to have the story. Exactly. Just to have the story and maybe to ghost hunt a little bit. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, so I did a lot of research on that. I ended up doing um, – I ended up doing research on like how to get a dog elected mayor because – this is not a spoiler. <laughs> but, but the mayor is a dog, by the way. <laughs> so – which you can do. You can actually elect a dog mayor, which is Amazing. hilarious. Amazing. But, but yeah, it was just a bunch of like <laughs> – a, bu- a bunch of weird like rabbit holes that you that you just end up going down and then you don't use any of it in, in the novel and you're like well was this was this a mistake <laughs> to research this or is this a good party trick now yeah yeah um well talk talk about actually when you're getting into the flow state when you're getting when you're getting pages um and you feel like you know you've synthesized a lot of that stuff and you're and um talk talk if you could be evocative kind of about like your best day um what it looks and feels like for you are you a morning writer are you an afternoon writer do you drink a lot of coffee how does that go for you Mm, well my best days are me laying on the floor crying no kidding (laughs) (laughs) okay i'm not laughing because (laughs) see see what you did there (laughs) i mean like it's true though like you you ask you ask any author they're just like oh no today i cried a little bit and i got like 20 words in Um, (laughs) it's like how are you supposed to like create in these conditions right but somehow you have to keep on keeping on um Mm -hmm. but my best my best days are when i can wake up early and then like read a little bit and I don't actually start writing until maybe three o'clock in the afternoon, but I usually go until like 10 PM. Those are like my prime hours for Hmm. writing. Uh, But if I have to edit like global edits or line edits, uh, I usually try and get that in between 10 AM and 3 PM. Uh, And I cannot do both in the same day. I have tried, I have burnt out so quickly doing that. So, so yeah, you know, a, a good day is me being able to write and create not on like a very like tight deadline, which I've, I haven't seen, I haven't not been on a tight deadline in like three years. So this is like, like wishing that I can eventually <laughs> uh, like worm my way through a, through a story again. But uh, not that I'm complaining. I actually really love deadlines. Um, they, they keep me moving forward. And so I don't get stuck on a scene or a or a choice a character makes uh, because if I think too long about something, I just start turtling and I'm like, oh no, what if this is the wrong choice? What if this is the wrong character? What if this is the wrong story? It, it gets bad quickly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's, that's my, that's my perfect day. And you know, it, it'd be great if like my cat didn't, you know, vomit <laughs> on the carpet. <laughs> yes. Um, I believe just, that's true. <laughs> yeah. I mean, perfect day. Right. Uh, <laughs> Uh, well, congrats on the work. Um, the Dead Romantics has received some incredible praise and uh, blurbs, and um, you must be feeling pretty good at this point. I'll point, of course, to the book and to your home base there, which is ashposton.com. Yeah. Um, and you are on Twitter and Instagram. 
I am. I am on Twitter at Ash Poston as well, but I am on Instagram at Hey Ash Poston because someone is sitting on my username. Oh, brutal. I know. <laughs> are you are you doing book talk all, book talk also, which would be TikTok for for books? For books. I mean, I I am technically on TikTok at Hey Ash Poston <laughs> as well. But I'm not sure I want to uh, like wade into book talk because um, for me, like book talk is for readers, not really for authors. Uh-huh. Uh, so, and like that's how like the, mo- the most organic like book talk hits like come from, right? They come from like readers sharing yeah. the books that they love. It's not really sure. through like author engagement. Uh, and so I, I think that should be a space for, for readers. Gotcha. But I do love TikTok. It is it is so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, before we wrap up here with just your advice on how to persevere um, for your fellow scribes, if you could have, a, let's see, any author from any era to an all-expense-paid dinner at your favorite restaurant in the world, who would you take and where would you take them? Of course, um, this fits into our theme here today of quasi-supernatural uh, occurrences. Oh, it does. Ooh, I don't know where I would take her, but I would love to sit down with Diana Wynne Jones and just pick her brain about soft fantasy and like just like really, really lovely character growth and like her experiences with like Tolkien. And we would just talk Lord of the Rings hmm. the entire time. Like that would be the perfect. <laughs> Uh, I, I am a huge Diana Wynne Jones fan. Um, Very cool. Yeah. Uh, where would you take her? You know what? I am not really all that big on restaurant names. I, I, I'm not sure. A, a, a nice, a nice Michelin-starred restaurant. <laughs> oh yeah, go for it. Why I mean, not? it's all expenses paid. So, um, what do you think? You would would you have a cocktail with Diana? Mm, absolutely. Yes. What would you drink? Mm. Go big. Go big or go home? <laughs> I don't know. Probably a margarita. Let's be honest. <laughs> okay. Perfect. Salt or no salt? Uh, absolutely salt. Okay. Salt, 100%. We'd probably go like top shelf. Like we do like a gold, tequila, like a Añejo or like a Reposado or do you prefer silver tequila? Mm, probably silver actually. Oh, okay. Yeah, it goes down a little smoother. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. And I like like sweeter things anyway, so... All right, perfect. Yeah. (laughs) I love it. Margaritas, Dan and Wynn Jones at a fancy spot. All right, well, um, we appreciate your time, your wisdom. I know you have to pop off here, but if you could just leave us with a pearl of wisdom on just how to keep going through good times or bad. Um, Only you can write the story that you're thinking of, even if you think it's been done before. Um, You haven't done it. So that's, that's my pearl of wisdom. Only you can write the story. It's all up to you, listeners. Yeah, it's all up to you. No one else can do it. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the future is in your hands. Exactly. And, I, and all you got to do is finish that book. That's the hardest part. And don't forget, with great power comes great responsibility. Wow, I'm just leaning on. You're just, you're just leaning into the just... MCU. You're, you're about to tip over into the multiverse. <laughs> Ashley, thank you so much. Best of luck with everything. Congrats on the latest. And uh, we hope you come back and wrap with us again sometime. Of course. Thank you so much for having me here. This was amazing. 
Thanks so much for joining us for this file. And if you're a fan of the show, simply head over to writerfiles.fm for more. That's writerfiles.fm. Uh, I dropped the link to that Caitlin Doty um, podcast in the show notes for you. Heck or in yes. the chat. Can you see the chat? Box? I can. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah.